0: It was fun and, like, terrible. Like, the show is bad.
1: It's really bad. Most of without, those kinds
0: of shows were bad. Without reservation, the <laughs> show is terrible. Uh, but and, comforting. But comforting. And the seams are so obvious. Like, as a kid, you didn't realize that they were harvesting footage from a different TV show <laughs> to make your TV show. Yeah. Um, wow. But when I watched it a couple years ago, I was like, oh, they had these three scenes. And they had to find a way to stitch a plot around that. <laughs>
1: That's a, that was a lot of that kind of TV show making it's like well we just need another episode Like, what do we throw together like I knew
0: the Zord footage was always the same like this was the, the Zord coming out of the mountain or whatever but that was always identical Yeah. but like there were like oh for some reason the Blue Ranger isn't in this fight scene we have so we have to find a way to make him go somewhere else <laughs> are TV shows still made that way at all? I don't f- I mean, well, I think Power Rangers is so Power Rangers is still on What? Yeah, they're still making Power Rangers. Like,
1: they never stopped making Power Rangers? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. How many... Wow. Uh, That's incredible. Is this like the longest running TV show of all time? Well, so it became each each one was its own
0: series so oh. the original power rangers mighty Morphin power rangers mm-hmm. and there was power ranger zeo power rangers nit turbo power rangers in space and all of those were connected where th- there was a through line there was oh, a continuation of characters and things like that
1: i can't believe you're explaining the power rangers mythology to me right now
0: well so um that stopped eventually um I'm trying to find just like the list of power rangers i'll tell you series. a
1: quick anecdote about yeah. power rangers um i feel like a theme of my childhood is talking on the show is talking about things my parents didn't like and didn't let me do mm-hmm. my parents would not let me watch power rangers okay uh i don't know why they probably just didn't want me watching tv yeah. but they thought it was dumb and so they wouldn't let us watch it yeah so uh w- my brother and i really liked power rangers so we would go over to the neighbor's house. And we would, like, hide in their front bushes in front of one of their windows, and we would watch through their wow. window while Power Rangers was on. Wow. Like, we did that a couple times. See, I watched Power Rangers because like, I
0: was, uh, that's, that's so weird. We couldn't
1: hear it. You just watched We it. just watched it. And it, like, we weren't getting anything out of it no. other than, like, oh, we're doing the thing our parents didn't want us to do. So,
0: uh, Power Rangers Dino Charge and Dino Supercharge ran in 2015 and 2016. Wow. Uh, Power Rangers Ninja Steel will be the 27 edition of Power Rangers.
1: That's incredible. Um, you know what? Good for
0: them. Yeah. Well, so the thing is, so and this this is still true. Is Power Rangers um, used the Super Sentai show, uh, which was a uh, I would call it the Japanese version of Power Rangers, but that's not <laughs> that's the wrong direction. <laughs> but there was a Japanese show that had these fight scenes and these kaiju monsters, um, and the Zords, mm-hmm. and. Saban took the fight scenes and everything that didn't have, like, the actors' faces visible, cut that, and filmed new footage around that to make episodes of the Power Rangers. So it was super cheap because you didn't have to pay for special effects for the fight scenes or right. anything else. Because that was already paid for and made. You just had to put actors for the interstitial scenes. And
1: because it's coming from a different market, like, you're not going to have people who are like, haven't I seen this before? no,
0: no uh but like that's still how they make power rangers
1: wow and i guess now probably probably because that's just how they do it not necessarily for budget reasons oh i'm sure it
0: helps that's probably why they've been able to make it for so long is because it's cheap uh and and so the super sentai show always rebooted itself every year Mm -hmm. so that's why power rangers now reboots itself every year yeah is to match that as opposed to trying to come up each time with a new reason why all the Zords are different and all the things are <laughs> what's different, why is okay we're in cars now why did why are we in cars like having to come up with those mythology steps along the way wow um which is what power rangers the movie did was one of those transition points so as you know in power rangers the movie <laughs> yes of course as i do know um please they,
1: i've refreshed my yeah, memory I know, I know you
0: know but our listeners at home might not <laughs> Uh, they lost access to their original Zords and had to go get different ones. And so they had to find this ninja force inside of a jungle or something. Uh-huh. It's not a well-crafted film. <laughs> it's 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 good for Kevin. Like Kevin likes it, <laughs> but it's not a good movie. Um, but they got these new Zords and new costumes, and part of that was because I needed to switch to the new footage for the series.
1: Yeah. Wow. I. Uh i can I have a lot of respect for a for something that is created that way like yeah. they're just they're just making it work, yeah, you know what I mean like they're not it's not game of Thrones they don't just got millions and millions of dollars to do whatever they want each episode they've got a bunch of limitations and mm-hmm. stuff, and they
0: the show doesn't look terrible do either,
1: thing. yeah, no, imagine it looks better than it did in the nineties yeah. <laughs> I'd hope
0: by a long shot
1: Power Rangers was super cool though oh absolutely, like, and- cl- like i'm gonna say it's not cool anymore because it's not power Rangers. kids still watch it kids love it but uh, yeah it's cool when you're young because it's just cool ninjas like yeah fighting stuff so uh, awesome at at camp one year uh, one of our campers was
0: watching power rangers when we were done with a thing Mm -hmm. and i was talking to her about it i was like oh what's your favorite series and she's like the original mighty morphin i was like wow nice that's you just say that because I'm old. <laughs> she's just pandering to, and you. She's trying to get it. She was watching, she was watching Turbo, and she'd watched all of them two or three times. Wow. Yeah.
1: Like a young kid?
0: How old? Between the ages of eight and fourteen. Wow. Eight and
1: thirteen. Young kids are gonna be like like the people who are kids now, like young teenagers and stuff, they're gonna be so smart and savvy by the time they're so. adults.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that was that's so but 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 Power Rangers not impactful to me. Like, I didn't learn moral opinions and things like that.
1: There's not a line that can reduce you to tears in Power Rangers? No.
0: Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, I don't
1: know if, if I can think of one. Did you... Were you, like, deprived of these things as a child? Or did you just no. think you have a different emotional response to things? Like, maybe you consumed media too intellectually to be... That's, that's quite possible. ...affected by it? That's quite possible. Yeah. 'Cause I, I I grew into my intellectual like viewing of, yeah. of media uh, when I was when I became an adult. But like when I was mm. a kid and a teenager, like never thought of any of those kinds of considerations. Yeah. It was just observe and it washes over me. So yeah. like the Iron Giant just ruined me the first Absolutely. time. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It. Um I don't know, what did I watch as a kid?
1: Sesame Street. I watched a lot of Sesame Street videos. Yeah, Sesame Street classic. Still making that, uh, yeah. On HBO now, right? Yeah, Oh,
0: they shortened it to thirty minutes, which is interesting because it has mm-hmm. a different. It has a different structure now. Hmm. Um, still good. I watch it occasionally.
1: Um, the other thing that I can think of for yeah. me that's like comforting and very emotionally impacting, yeah. is the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, that's I the know. other big one.
0: And those have a huge impact on you. Yeah,
1: just because, like, I've seen them probably almost a hundred times.
0: I don't think I've seen anything that often.
1: Yeah, like, I I have a very hard time explaining to people my level of, like, intense obsession with the Lord of the Rings movies when... Between, like, 2001 when the first one came out and, like, 2010. Yeah. It was... I mean, well, and it's consuming. it's one of those
0: movies that has that effect on a lot of people. Yeah, not not everybody, obviously. Yeah. I mean, was, they were hugely successful, so a lot of people really right. liked them, obviously.
1: Well, a lot of people watched them.
0: Yeah, but I've I've met a number of people who are like, "Oh, I watched those thirty times," and I'm like, "I haven't seen a movie thirty times." Yeah. Like the the closest one is something like Mystery Men, which I did watch over and over again because I love that film. Uh huh uh i i think it's hilarious that's where probably where my love for william h macy started hmm um i've said for years that i would have william h macy's children and i stand by that <laughs> if only you could i mean science is getting there yeah maybe we'll one day um, i mean to be fair he's been with felicity huffman forever so that's not going to go anywhere
1: oh no we can take care of that i mean i wouldn't want to felicity huffman's great i mean we don't have to kill her <laughs> i guess i don't want to break you up the relationship come to an arrangement okay um,
0: um, but he's in that. And he's he's amazing in that movie. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. <laughs> I shovel very well.
1: I have no context for that line whatsoever. His, his character's named the Shoveler.
0: Okay, uh, and he's a superhero who uses a shovel, and
1: he shovels really
0: well. He shovels really well. Wow. Uh, he wears a catcher's vest and uh, a miner's helmet. With okay. Little light on the front. Yep. He's got a sling for his shovel, so he can throw it on his back. <laughs> uh,
1: based on this information, I am gonna hold true to my claim that the Incredibles is the best superhero <laughs> movie.
0: <laughs> well, he's just one of the many superheroes in this film. Because uh, there's also uh, Ben Stiller as Mr. Furious.
1: He's really good at being mad. He
0: he has unstoppable, stoppable rage. He's <laughs> very mad. Um, you should get help for that. <laughs> He once lifted a bus. He was so mad. Wow! What did the bus do to him? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> He's just very angry. Okay. Um, it's got um, Janine Garofalo as the bowler. Um, she well, her, her dad was the bowler first. Uh-huh. Uh, Carmine the bowler, and he had very he was very good at bowling, and he had a, a magical bowling ball that he would he could throw and it would
1: he'd do what he wanted it to. Um, so he wasn't good at bowling. He just had a magical ball. No, actually,
0: he was good. Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing his and his daughter's stories. So he was very good at bowling. Okay. Um, and so he would throw his ball, and it would do whatever he wanted it to. But uh, he he died under mysterious circumstances. Uh, he came home one day and fell down the elevator shaft onto some bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Actual line from the film. <laughs> All right, this movie sounded pretty good um and his daughter took up his uh his mantle as the bowler mm-hmm. um and she put his skull inside of her bowling ball and now it is kind of magical and that's oh. what it does it well, that sounds um, pretty fun which again great lines so many great lines from this show uh the blue raja who is a, another character who uh throws forks um <laughs> sure uh not knives. And no, not knives. He's not stab man. He's not knifey boy. He's the blue rajah. And even though his costume has very little blue, if you understand your British history, it makes perfect sense. I don't, so it's just confusing. No, that's a line from the film. Oh. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, okay. um, uh, he asks her, do you mean to tell me that you put your, your father's skull in that ball for bowling? She goes, no. The guy at the pro shop did it. <laughs> uh, it's got... Uh, Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee-wee Herman, as The Spleen.
1: I'm going to not continue trying to drink water while you describe (laughs) this movie. This is not going to end up. The
0: Spleen, he... Well, his backstory is um, he was with some friends um, when he farted, and he blamed it on a passing gypsy woman. (laughs) And uh, she got mad at this, and so since he was the one who smelt it, he would forever be he who dealt it. <laughs> and so he has the power of weaponized flatulence. Nice. Um, there's Invisible Boy, uh, played by Keenan, or no, Kell, uh-huh. of Keenan and Kel. so Kell, um, who has the ability to turn invisible, but only when nobody's looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, this amazing cast of of superheroes. Uh, that sounds pretty good. It's Possibly my favorite film of all time, and if not really. not impactful or meaningful in the same way that yeah, it The Iron
1: Giant is doesn't doesn't have to be impactful to be a favorite. But it is, I could I could probably quote ninety percent of that film without trying. I can quote one hundred percent of all three Lord of the Rings. Yes, because you've seen them a hundred plus times. Uh, what did you think of the Hobbits? Oh my god! Uh, um, the way that people, the way that. um the way that our friend Robert, mm-hmm. uh, the Star Wars fan, feels about the prequel trilogy, mm-hmm. um, or the way I imagine he feels about it, you're wrong about how he feels about the prequel trilogy. Oh shoot, does he like the prequel he trilogy? Likes the prequels. Ah,
0: god damn it! <laughs> what the hell, Robert! You, Robert is the biggest Star Wars
1: fan, but the biggest he's Star the Wars biggest... fans are supposed to not like the prequel trilogy. No, trilogies. he's the biggest Star Wars fan. Hey, okay. never mind. Robert's a weird enigma who loves Star Wars deeply. And with all of his being, but also likes the prequel trilogy. That's weird. (laughs) Um, I'm going to shame him for that. He likes the prequels. He's wrong. Ask him about it. Okay. Um, The way most diehard Star Wars fans (laughs) feel about the prequel trilogy is... Is how you feel about... Almost exactly the way I feel about... The prequel trilogy? The the Hobbit trilogy. Yeah. The prequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, There are some differences in this metaphor. Okay. So, the the original star wars trilogy are three very good movies Mm -hmm. right yeah like despite what they mean to people Mm -hmm. how they've affected their lives you know how they represented their childhood all those things that people have emotional ties to the star wars for yeah despite all that they're amazing movies sure um lord of the rings movies are not that lord of the rings movies are pretty good yeah but they have many things that are Deeply, deeply flawed about them. Okay, that—that's
0: interesting to hear coming from someone who's seen it a hundred times. That, that's that's fascinating. That,
1: you think someone who's seen it a hundred times has some very specific opinions about yeah, the movies? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Lord of the movies have some things that are very wrong with them that I really dislike. They are still my favorite movies. Are they? Are
0: they things that you dislike because they're different from the novel, or is there just bad filmmaking choices?
1: Um, they're mostly things related to like differences from the books. But I'm not one of those pedantic people who's like, no, oh, they changed the book. Like, yeah. I think it's okay that Tom Bombadil's not in the movies.
0: You know what I mean? He's always the one everybody goes to. <laughs> right? Like,
1: it's fine. Yeah. From the from a filmmaking perspective, it was the right choice to leave him out of the story. Okay. And that makes sense to me. But there's some tonal things about the movie, some character things where, like, my, one of my favorite examples is, uh, for some reason in the Two Towers, uh, Legolas and Gimli get into a drinking contest in the, in the movie? Yeah. Okay. In the movie. And it's dumb and gross and immature and like silly in a way that the Lord of the Rings is not. Okay. Lord of the Rings has like, you know, like funny parts and some mm-hmm. comedy. Like it's here and there. Yeah. But it doesn't exist in that way. Like that was a very modern version of... Like, let's make a weird funny scene. Like, let's have him have a drinking contest. And, yeah. like, Gimli spills beer on himself and burps really loud. And Legolas... <laughs> like, Legolas... <laughs> burps are funny. Like, Legolas makes a joke about, like... You know, he's an elf. He's better than people and he's impervious to stuff. Like, he has, like, 40 beers and he's like, I'm starting to feel a little tingle. Like, it's such a dumb joke. Like, that's not... <laughs> it's not totally consistent with what the Lord of the Rings should be. So when I watch that... um, it To me, that's, like, disrespecting what the Lord of the Rings is. Okay. But then... The movies are also amazing because I they so perfectly embody exactly what the world should look like. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so my primary love for the Lord of the Rings isn't I just love the movies and I think they're good movies, it is they're my shorter, more accessible vessel for experiencing to experiencing the, the, Lord of the, the story I love. Yeah. You know what I mean? Shorter being kind of funny because, because it's with <laughs> well, extended versions, what over it's 10 like eleven hours. It's like 11 hours. <laughs> um, but hey, it takes much longer than that to read the Lord of the Rings. That's true. Books. It does. Um, you
0: can't read all three Lord of the Rings books in eleven hours. So, the
1: Hobbit trilogy. Mm-hmm. This is the summary of my feelings, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a longer, a longer discourse to be had. The Hobbit trilogy, is straight up bad. Okay. Um, it does not. It, so the great strength of the Lord of the Rings movies is how it visually captures the the world. Yeah, uh, that's what it does best. The Hobbit kind of does that okay. Okay. Um, like the landscapes and everything, it does fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the way the characters look and the environments look are really really bad. Uh, but then everything else is garbage. The way the characters behave, the dialogue, and then straight into like the filmmaking is bad. Like, okay. Peter Jackson was at his peak when he made like The Lord of the Rings. Like yeah. he's good at making movies in those. Mm-hmm. They're really long, but that's also just kind of the point. Yeah. But they're really good at filmmaking, and the Hobby movies are just bad. Hm. Like the direction, the acting, the scripts, like it doesn't make sense. It's confusing. It's weird. It's not funny when it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's totally disrespectful to the story. Yeah. It's just all it's all garbage. I watched the first one, opening night, the special high frame rate yeah. IMAX thing, because I was all excited about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, And I came out, and what what a lot of people who went and watched The Phantom Menace yeah. felt, they were like, was that good? Like, that was good, right? Like we It must have been. It must have been good. It, it must have been good. That was the Star Wars movie we waited for for a long time. Like, everyone liked that, right? Right? Like, please tell me everyone liked that. Like, I came out of The Hobbit, and I was like... That high frame rate thing was pretty cool. And it actually was. Like, I actually thought the high frame rate thing was neat. Yeah,
0: I didn't get to see it, but I really wanted to because I really liked the idea
1: behind it. I I love that sort of hyper-realism sort of thing. Yeah. And that's like, and I think that was probably the best thing Peter Jackson did, and that's what he's good at. He's good at doing, like, really cool, interesting new things. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I was like, the high frame rate thing was kind of neat, which is a horrible indictment of, like, what I thought about the rest (laughs) of the movie, that that was, like, my first... Yeah, reaction. it's like yeah that that film technique was certainly yeah. useful, <laughs> but then I was like, why was there, why was there fifteen minutes of a like uh, drunken wizard being chased by wargs on a bunny sled? Like, why did that happen? And why was it like half of a comedy scene and half of an action? Like what? and I was just so scared and then I was like oh no the next day I was like oh no that was bad <laughs> and then I didn't see the other two movies in theaters I did watch back to the very beginning yeah. of this recording I did watch the other two movies at home when mm-hmm. they came out uh because I'm a completionist who hates himself <laughs> and I will suffer <laughs> through anything to complete it yeah um, I still
0: haven't seen the second two I saw the first one don't uh, don't bother please I I haven't don't bother I'm, I'm not interested in it uh which is interesting,
1: um, and now I have to admit, um, the Hobbit tr- trilogy has tainted the Lord of the Rings trilogy a little bit for me because of the way it, the ways it was so obviously bad have mm-hmm. opened my eyes to Peter to Jackson's flaws, yeah. like, more minor weaknesses in the Lord yeah. of the Rings. And I'm like, oh no, like I can see the signs now, yeah, like I can see, and this was this is classic George Lucas. He was in. The original trilogy, George Lucas was surrounded by a team of geniuses who mm-hmm. he can bounce off of. They can make group decisions and, and you make know, the films good <laughs> and, ma- and make things good when someone has a bad idea. Other people step in with good ones. Yeah, in the prequel trilogy for Star Wars, no one ever said no to George Lucas. Yeah, and so he's good at some stuff, but he's really bad at other stuff, and that mm-hmm. all came through. Yeah, exact same thing happened in Lord the of the Rings As- for The Hobbit, especially because Peter Jackson stepped in to take over for Guillermo del Toro. Who dropped out who i think would have made a good hobbit movie
0: pro- i
1: think he probably he probably could have yeah radically different yeah and honestly probably not the hobbit movie i would have wanted either that's fair right i mean well, G- guillermo del toro is gonna make the movie he wants to make yeah like that's that's what he does which i which i would have accepted yeah right because i i like to watch and judge things based on the goals of the creators yeah right i would be like cool guillermo del toro just made the Hobbit movie he wants to make and he did a good, did a good job at it mm-hmm. good job but peter jackson wanted to make the hobbit movie that Hobbit fans wanted and he did not because <laughs> no one could say no to him. Yeah. He's the big, he's Peter Jackson, he's a big genius who created the $1.5 billion grossing Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's beloved by everybody around the world. Mm-hmm. Of course he's going to know what's best. Yeah. So no one says no to him. All of his weird, inappropriate humor comes through the goddamn love triangle between a dwarf and an elf and another elf. I don't know what we're talking about. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't remember this. Uh, first of all, there's a hot dwarf. Sure. I believe I believe dwarves can be hot. It was Philly or Killy. I think it was Killy. It was a hot dwarf. Okay. And then there was a lady elf mm-hmm. who does not exist in the story. Okay. And again... It's fine. Introduce a new character if it serves the, it serves the film. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. Especially a lady character, which yeah. is one of Tolkien's great weaknesses. <laughs> one of many. <laughs> uh, Tolkien is very bad at diversity. Yeah. Uh, so introduce a lady elf. I've got an
0: elf and a dwarf. What do you want?
1: <laughs> he is good at racial diversity. There's lots of different races. <laughs> <laughs> that he made up. And the ones that live in the east and the south and have dark skin are the bad ones. <laughs> yeah, what could
0: possibly go wrong?
1: It's all a coincidence. Um, introduce the Lady Elf. I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, except it was a disaster in its implementation. <laughs> uh, but the Lady Elf falls in love with Hot Dwarf. Yeah. But then Lady Elf is also supposed to be in love with Legolas. Oh. Ah, who was um, not in The Hobbit. Who was not in The Hobbit. But to be fair, was not a character that existed in Tolkien's brain when The Hobbit was written. Yeah. And... Certainly could be in The Hobbit, because that's where he lived. Yeah. So I think that's also fine. Okay. But Lady Elf and Legolas are supposed to... They're supposed to be together. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, Lady Elf has feelings for Hot Dwarf. Yeah. And Hot Dwarf has feelings for Lady Elf. And oh no, like, forbidden, I would, forbidden romance. I would
0: watch the 70s cop show called Hot Dwarf and Lady Elf <laughs> in a heartbeat.
1: And here's the deal. There is a, there's tons of examples to take from in Tolkien's writing of one race falling in love with the other and it being forbidden Mm -hmm. and how that works out. And by
0: tons in Tolkien's writing you mean the Silmarillion? Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do mean (laughs) numerous examples in the Silmarillion. Okay. Read it. Um, It's not going to happen.
0: I didn't finish The Lord of the Rings.
1: But like I guess like mythology wise in the Lord of the Rings universe it's enormously unlikely that a dwarf and an elf would have feelings for each other. Sure. The way that elves and men do sometimes, and it makes more sense. But, like, if you want to go for it, you sure, can make it work. go for it. It's a little fan fiction-y. <laughs> it's a little Tumblr fan fiction-y for me. But just treat it really, really poorly. Yeah. Like, you know, treats Lady Elf like an object. You know what I mean? Yeah. All that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. It's interesting uh, thinking about...
1: I'm going to cut all this out. Are you? <laughs> leave it in. Leave it in. Oh, my God. That's I what
0: have, this show is. I have so many opinions. That's what this show is. Okay.
1: I realize that uh, when I have to like think of my ideas while I'm speaking, I speak very slowly and very carefully. And like in the last 10 minutes, I've been speaking really quickly because this is all <laughs> pre-formed in my brain. Because you, you, you have these opinions already. That's okay. Bursting forth. That's okay. Leave it in. Don't cut okay. it. Okay. Sure. I'll leave it in.
0: Because that's what the show is. Yeah, you're right. You should you should cut at, at when there needs to be a cut at no other time. Okay, come on. Okay, that's what the show is. That's what they're tuning in for <laughs> is to hear your amazing opinions on uh, a trio triangle of love oh, between a dwarf and a lady elf and another elf.
1: I thought Smog looked nice. I think the physical design of Smog yeah. was pretty
0: good. I am I'm I'm think I'm done with uh, Bandersnatch Cumberbund. <laughs> I think As- as an I'm actor? just tired of him. Yeah? He's in too much, and it's always
1: the same. He's the uh guy who's mysterious because he looks like an alien. Yeah. That's his character.
0: Yeah, I think I'm done with that.
1: Uh what's uh what's brought this about? Doctor Strange. Oh, I've seen trailers for that. It looks like Inception, but with Marvel.
0: That actually sounds better than what I think it's actually <laughs> gonna be. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like Inception is a film that thinks it's way more complex than it is Mm -hmm. but um i would watch an inception in the marvel universe probably
1: yeah that'd be cool speaking of uh judging things uh based on the creator's goals yeah if christopher nolan just like took a step down on his lofty lofty goals (laughs) like he'd be so much more successful like I, the, the intellectual yeah. goals of his movie, like he's a really good he's a really good filmmaker visually. Like, sure, he's he knows how to he knows how to make things that look cool. Mm-hmm. I think he knows how to tell a good visual story. But like Inception was supposed to be mind blowing, and like it was, uh, he was he was trying to make two thousand one. Yeah, and it wasn't. No, it wasn't close. It was super cool. Like I, it looked cool. I I liked watching Inception. Yeah. I was like, well, this is crazy. Look at all this crazy stuff happening on the screen. Yeah. But like it didn't mean anything deep. So,
0: I have another point I want to make to get back to. So remind me. (laughs) Remind me about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban in a minute.
1: Okay, Harry Potter and the stuff. Yeah, got it. Uh, That'll that'll be fine. Um,
0: Christopher Nolan's best movie is Memento. Yeah. Period. Oh yeah. Um, Christopher Nolan's brother wrote Memento.
1: Memento was a perfect movie.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh Memento is on the list of films that are my favorite by far and including Mystery Men. Like it goes Mystery Men oh, and really? Memento and those switch sometimes. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's Memento sometimes it's Mystery
1: Men. Yeah, it's really good.
0: It is it is a perfect film. And it's because of the script. Mm-hmm. It's because of the narrative conceits of the film that it is perfect. Yeah he is... Christopher Nolan has not had a script that good ever since. Yeah, but, like, it's such a... And like, and directing a mediocre script, you can direct it as amazingly as you want and make it look as great as you want.
1: It's only as good as your script. M- Memento, like, the first time you watch it, it's, you know, super complicated and confusing. Yeah, but you get to the end and you go... <gasps> yeah. <laughs> but Memento is, like, an incredibly simple premise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... You literally can like write a sequential story and then chop it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like he he directs it really well. Yeah, like, it's a it's an amazing script by his brother, but he directs it really well with his, you know, great visual directing yeah. skills and whatnot. Yeah. But like when he goes to his later movies, he takes his increased skill in like directing. Like I think he does get better at directing and making movies that look cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, okay. and look good. But you're right like he doesn't get scripts as good like his Dark Knight trilogy I thought were all pretty good Batman Begins being the best I think I think you're right yeah uh, it helps that you know it's the Batman property yeah Like I mean it helps there's
0: Batman yeah Who doesn't love Batman <laughs> yeah, you, you,
1: we get to watch Batman which is always fun yeah but like um Inception was had such lofty intellectual goals like it just wanted to be this like mind-blowing wild incredible thing mm-hmm and it wasn't like it should have just tried to be a cool movie about what dreams are like well so i think
0: I think inception succeeded at being the movie that it is really i I think what people wanted was another memento. they wanted a movie where and maybe and maybe inception was trying to be this, where you come out at the end and go, "I have no idea what happened. I've got to watch that three more times to figure everything out, yeah, um, but if you watch Inception. It is not a complicated film. No. It is a very straightforward heist film.
1: And, but there's complicated things visually happening on the screen.
0: Yeah, but they're
1: also like... like the CG stuff.
0: Yeah, the CG stuff. And, and, and it's beautiful and cool and weird and alien. Yeah. But everything is explained continuously. It's a lot
1: of... Um, exposition. Exposition, yeah.
0: Like there is, there is no mystery or confusion because every step of the way is explained. Right. And, like that makes it less of a good movie. Yeah, yeah, but, that's but, a good point. But like, people were coming out like, "Oh, I have no idea what just happened in Inception."
1: I'm like, "Were you not watching the movie, <laughs> or were you not listening to the were people you telling you what's paying happening?" Paying attention. Yeah.
0: Like, okay, we're going to go down a layer. Time moves slower there. So with the thing, it's going to be, you know, it moves faster there. So because of reasons, who cares? Right. Uh, so we can have a, a car crash that lasts as long as this epic action sequence.
1: Yeah, like, oh, my God. That's one of my, like, big problems with movies. Like, stop, like, making rules so that you can hit a plot point. <laughs> like, stop making, like, rules for your universe so that It'll a look cool. thing can happen later. Yeah. Like, just roll with it. Yeah. That's why... Um, My favorite example is the movie uh, Primer or Primer. Primer, yeah. Primer's a great film. Like, they barely explain to you what's happening. Yeah. You just observe it. And I have watched that movie a couple times and I have never been able to follow it. Mm-hmm. I know apparently it is followable.
0: Uh, there, there are charts and things that people have made like, oh, this is what happens here and this is what happens here. But there's so much that you don't see that it's all guesswork.
1: But, like... I don't need rules explained to me so that like certain things can happen just right like i just watch a movie and i'm blown away and it's amazing and beautiful and a really good good movie
0: but there's no rules there are no rules have you watched the next film he made
1: yeah uh upstream Upstream color Color, another like because it's exactly that talk about what christopher nolan tries to make yeah Like, like upstream color
0: christopher nolan wishes he made upstream color Yeah,
1: and like he wouldn't Make a movie that's that, that he wouldn't make a movie that intimate Yeah, yeah. It would be more it would be colder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh but man, upstream color just Oh, that movie got me so bad. I that was the movie I remember watching that a couple months ago. I've never watched a movie so closely. Yeah. Like I normally I'll like even if it's the first time I've watched something and something I care about, like I'll open my phone. I'll look at Twitter for a minute on my phone. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'll like I'll get up and like grab something from the fridge yeah. and like not pause the movie. I turn on Upstream Color. I sat on my couch and I glued my eyes to the screen and I didn't move. Yeah, and I didn't touch anything until the movie was over. Yeah,
0: and and it is not a film that explains anything.
1: Not one bit.
0: And doesn't need to.
1: And you learn like you do learning. Like well,
0: the... so so the the things that you learn are not attractive person a telling attractive person b this is how the universe works right
1: like no one says like so there's these pigs here and we do this with them so that this happens later yeah you can discern some stuff
0: yeah and but... you you get what you need to from it yeah and you don't have every answer done and that's i mean that's stranger things the end of stranger things you don't need to have every answer for it to be a successful experience and
1: it's, it's, and it's not and it's not that it's satisfying despite that it's satisfying because that because sometimes you don't have all the answers yeah because that's how life works is shane caruth making another movie i hope so i think i think i remember seeing something he's got like he's got a movie coming out with some like incredible cast this like massive cast of the best people and it's going to be some like wild uh wild new movie that he's making talk about i used to i used to be really really uh anticipating of christopher nolan's movies yeah after batman begins the dark knight i got super excited about inception coming out and um interstellar Mm -hmm. until they were kind of disappointing man when shane cruz next movie comes out i am going to be all over it
0: apparently there is a film called the modern ocean that he is working on
1: yeah it's some like like, pirate movie, I think. Like, modern day pirates or something like that. But then also, like, all Shane weirdness and confusion. Anne Hathaway,
0: Keanu Reeves, Daniel Radcliffe.
1: And, and I think, like, a dozen other people who you would go, whoa. Chloe them. Grace
0: Mortez, Tom Holland, Asia Butterfield.
1: I'm excited Jeff about Goldblum. That. I'm in. Even just that. Jeff Goldblum, I'm there. I love Jeff Goldblum. I
0: love... I don't know if you were, if you were um, at the place we used to work when this happened, but you know how the lights in the bathroom would go out sometimes? Uh-huh. Uh, someone put a picture of Jeff Goldblum in the bathroom with the lights out. <laughs> uh, which, intentional or otherwise, was a callback to one of my favorite Internet memes from, like, early days of the Internet, uh-huh. uh, which is Jeff Goldblum is watching you poop. <laughs> and so it was, it was this picture he was print to put in your office bathrooms. Uh, you know, in the back of a stall door, uh-huh. and it was a picture of Jeff Goldblum like staring, and only and the way that said, Jeff Goldblum and it just stare. said Jeff Goldblum was watching you poop, that's and delightful. it was the best thing ever, because uh, that's that's my favorite. Jeff Goldblum is my mother's favorite actor.
1: Really? Yeah. Is it just because he's so handsome? It helps. Oh, boy, does it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, um, he's I'm, the reason I almost watched Independence Day too. He he would have been the only thing that could get me to watch it. I really like Independence Day. Independence Day I think is good. I
0: haven't seen it since it was in theaters. So it may not be good anymore. Really? Yeah. I think I saw it like on
1: VHS a couple times. Afterwards. I may have.
0: But like, I saw it like six times in theaters. Really? Like My family went to see it six times in theaters. Oh, so that's
1: like your Lord of the Rings.
0: Uh, in a certain <laughs> way. Like, we saw it more than... I mean, I didn't realize you could go to movies more than once in a theater. Well, yeah. that's not true because I saw Home Alone two in theaters a bunch because i identified a lot with kevin McAllister. oh yeah were, we were you left home alone a lot no we were both named kevin oh yeah that helps. That was i mean i was at the i was 10 or 12 <laughs> like the fact that there's someone
1: named me and you were constantly being robbed constantly <laughs> i did make traps in my house once um i had to pick them up yeah i'm not gonna watch uh, independence day 2 no but Ind- independence day is like classic Fun action movie, yeah and and a blockbuster that works, oh yeah, prime example of a of a, block of a blockbuster, blockbuster. That,
0: that does not feel terrible no, you know what movie disappointed me recently?
1: oh, please tell me, Star
0: Trek beyond,
1: oh yeah, yeah, I heard it was disappointing as a Star Trek fan, absolutely, how does it compare like and what are your feelings about the other rebooted Star Trek? So if I were to
0: 8? rank them, mm-hmm. it would go Star Trek two thousand and nine star trek beyond star trek into darkness okay um i think the original or the the first jj abrams star trek was not good like but it was trying something new and kind of feeling itself out and felt young yeah and and was kind of okay for that um star trek into darkness was kind of like the the hobbit in the sense that it was a movie being made by somebody who tried to make a movie That Star Trek fans wanted. Really? But he didn't know what Star Trek fans wanted. Who made it? J.J. Abrams. He directed the first two.
1: But it was much worse than the first one?
0: So bad. Um, So, what... So, first of all, Bandersnatch Cumberbund gets cast in it. Uh, Very, very early on, that casting news comes out. Um, And the second Star Trek film, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, is considered by many people to be the best Star Trek film. Uh Uh-huh uh and and with good reason
1: and it's the same story as tried to be the same story? well so that's
0: where i'm getting okay. so uh the star trek 2 wrath of khan was actually a sequel to an episode of star trek okay uh so there's a an episode of star trek with ricardo Maltabon uh called space seed and um what happens is the enterprise stumbles upon this derelict ship that's got a bunch of people like frozen in time uh like in Carbonite or whatever, but that's from Star Wars. And they unfreeze one of them, and the guy's name is Khan Noonien Singh, um, which is very was very intentionally like three names that come from different places. Okay. Um, so he was, I mean, to be fair, they're all Eastern, and if you're talking about othering and Orientalism, there's a lot yeah. of that going on in this. It was still the 60s. They're all Eastern. Yeah. yeah. Um, and played by Ricardo Maltaban. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who was who is not right (laughs) and it was good and he ended up taking over the enterprise and then to fight it back and it was a good episode like it was it was a well-liked episode okay um and wrath of khan is a sequel to that because they eventually strand him and his crew on this planet and like you can stay here because they were all from the past uh they were they were leftovers from what was called the eugenics wars and so khan was was an ubermensch a superman like there's you know Like they didn't use the phrase Ubermensch, but that was the implied sort of thing. Although the fact that he was an Ubermensch and also not white was kind of a big deal. Because it was pointing, it was like the eugenics wars, which was this thing that happened in Star Wars past, our future, whatever it is, was not about like some sort of racial purity. It was about making people be the best and the strongest, like Mm. actual eugenics things without like, oh, white people are the best, let's make more of those. But still saying like, no, we shouldn't have done that. That was a bad idea. Mm. Um, So that was a neat plot there uh, but they ended up stranding khan and his crew on this planet um where they can live like it's a comfortable place to live okay. But they're like you have to stay here we're taking your spaceship away because you're bad people right you need uh, to be <laughs> isolated yeah um and then the wrath of khan um due to happenstance they come up against khan again uh-huh uh, and he's on the wrong planet. Um, and it turns out they actually stranded him on the neighboring planet, or something along these lines, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Sure. And it was the, they left him on the wrong planet, and most of his crew died, and he's been struggling to survive ever since. And he's super pissed. He's got a bone to pick
1: now. Um,
0: and the Wrath of Khan does a lot of really amazing things, um, including never letting Kirk and Khan talk, or be in the same room they talk to each other over a view screen and that's the closest they ever get. The whole movie? whole movie. Um, he, con, kidnaps some of the crew members. He says, ah, Chekhov, I remember you even though Chekhov wasn't in the series at that point in time. It's a fun little gaffe. <laughs> um, he uses a brain control slug on them. All this sort of stuff. And it's, and it's built on these character relationships and the story and like this wrath that he has had because of his situation and mm-hmm. he's a very identifiable sort of villain you understand where he's coming from
1: yeah even you just explaining it. i'm like yeah i'd be pissed i want to get some revenge yeah um and it's like all this and it's and
0: there's a lot of manipulation and the thing was shot on almost no money because the motion picture was not as successful as they wanted it to be hmm. um like literally the bridge that khan's on and the bridge that kirk's on same set dressed differently (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like
1: like Exactly what I would imagine from a Star Trek yeah. property. Yeah, like, which, which is which yeah. is I mean,
0: that's that. Yes, um, and it's an amazing film. It's got Christy Alley in it. Um, a lot of Star Trek mythos was there. The Kobayashi Maru um, was that story is told there. That's a Star Trek thing I know. Yeah, because it's in the new ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, you don't see it, but that story about Kirk cheating and winning, and so like, I don't believe in a no-win situation. Like mm-hmm. that was all told in that and there's there's a couple of things going on as well but it's, it's a great film
1: yeah
0: um and so when jj abram's second film came around a lot of people were like oh are you gonna he, he was like you know there's this you know because we went back in time there's this wealth of stories we can tell there's this world of things and people are like oh you're gonna do Khan?" and it's like uh-huh uh, no probably no no <laughs> uh, maybe no uh, who, who? me um and then bandersnatch Cumberbond gets cast and everybody's <laughs> like Oh, is he Khan? He's like, no, he's not Khan. He's not Khan. Couldn't be. Couldn't be. And then they release a set photo and it's got like a name and it's like, oh, so and so, and it's not Khan, it's John Smith or whatever. And they're like, oh see, it's not Khan. It's totally not Khan. We're not just doing we're not just retelling Wrath of Khan.
1: Ugh. Uh And you've
0: seen Into Darkness, right?
1: <laughs> I I saw it once, yeah. yeah. But again, like I don't I didn't care, so I didn't really pay close attention. Yeah, that's fair. Let me quickly make the point. Lying to people and then having it turn out to not be true is a totally different thing than a twist. Yes, like you cannot say he is not Khan. Twist, he's Khan. Like that's not a twist. That's
0: lying. Well, in the movie, he lies about who he is. Like he his his crew shows up. Mind you, in this universe, the initial thing that made Khan hate Kirk never happened because we've switched timelines.
1: Oh, so there's going to be some new reason why Khan hates Kirk? Or is that unexplained? Well,
0: so that's part of the problem. is like Khan hates everybody because he's bad guy now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, naturally. <laughs> um, he hates the Federation. Um, he wants to save his crew, which are all frozen in the in the still thing because they never got unfrozen because that didn't happen. They didn't get stranded on the planet. Um, and he uses a fake name and he pretends to be helping them. Or He's like, oh, I need help. And... And then, like, they capture him and eventually goes, my name is Khan. And it's this big moment, which, if you were Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, in this universe, that name means nothing to you. But it's played as this big reveal to the audience. Right. Who are like, oh, we were told it wasn't Khan, but it is. It was Khan. But it's even totally even Khan. that
1: surprise is going to fall flat because it's not a twist. It's just a lie. Yeah.
0: Um, That's very frustrating. And so they... And, and then...
1: Okay. Let it out. This is your, it's your so turn. So
0: how you feel about Lord of the Rings is how I feel about Star Trek. Okay. Um, so the, the Wrath of Khan is very famous for having the death of Spock. Right. Spock dies at the end of Wrath of Khan. Okay. Um, the warp core is flooding with radiation. They have to re- release it, but there's a safety problem. And if the guy who goes in there to fix it is going to die.
1: And it's Spock? And it's Spock um noble brave sacrificial yeah, death
0: yeah and that's where the famous line comes from like the the spock line the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the mm. one like that's and that happens and spock's dying and jim can't even be in the room with him and so they're at this window and he says jim you have always been my friend or i'm Screwing up the line a little bit, but it's like this massive emotional moment. Yeah, and Kirk is losing it, and his best friend is dying, and the movie ends and and he's dead. Okay. Spock is dead at the end of the Wrath of Khan. Okay. They have a funeral. They shoot his body into space, like it's over, and it's devastating, and it's earned, and it feels terrible. Yeah. And you you're weeping, and they're playing music, and it's great. Um and so star trek into darkness decides to start copying a lot of these things so we already had the kobayashi maru from the first movie and that was a cute callback and at the time it was a cute callback and that's great and that's all it was we moved yeah on. um but in into darkness which you saw but vaguely remember, yeah um a bad thing happens or at the beginning of the movie there's a weird like chasing on an alien planet that's never fully explained and spock is left in a volcano and he's like leave me and Kirk's like, no, I can't. And he beams them up because they have the power of beaming. So I don't know what the problem yeah, is. Yeah, I remember that. It's, um, that was
1: just like a cold open. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then Spock's like, you should have left me because the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And at the time, you're like, okay, okay you know, oh, sure. Oh, yeah, that, that line. That's a line. Yeah, okay. I can work with that. And then you get the con reveal and you're like, oh. And then later on, a bad thing happens and someone has to go into the room to fix it. And Kirk goes. Because oh, he's taken on what Spock told him, that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the ones.
1: Learned as a character. Yeah.
0: Sure. Um, and so he goes and he dies and he says, you have always been and always will be my friend. Or something along those lines, like aping that. And then Spock, so I, I skipped this. One of the most amazing lines in the film is, is William Shatner yelling Khan um, after a bad thing happens. Yeah. Not the death of Spock, a different bad thing. Okay. Um, and if you ever want to watch the clip, like there's this, this welling of emotion on his face and like William Shatner is not a, is not a Shakespearean actor. Yeah. He is a TV actor. Right. Um, but he plays it beautifully and you can sort of see like his face, like just go through the, all these emotions at once. And then he goes, <laughs> and it's a great moment and it's silly and it's perfectly played by William Shatner. Uh uh-huh. Um, but it's unrelated to Spock dying. That happens after, later. Okay. Um, so in Into Darkness, um, Spock, or Kirk goes under the thing and dies, and Spock's like sad because Kirk died. And then Spock goes, Khan! With none of the nuance or emotion that William Shatner brought to it, and it's just, he's saying Khan because you're supposed to say Khan if you have Khan in your movie. Because it's a reference. Because it's a reference, not because it matters to the story. Yeah. And then Tribbles have shown up for a reason or another because that's another reference that they could throw into this stupid movie. That's a Star Trek thing I've read. That's heard. a Star Trek thing. I'd recognize that. Uh, Trouble with Tribbles is one of the best movies ever and was written by, or one of the best TV show episodes ever and was written by a kid when he was 19, which is outrageous. No way. Yeah, something like that. He was like, it was a spec script he sent in and they hired him and brought him on. Wow. Um, it was outrageous. And it's a great episode and it's been referenced a couple times in universe mm-hmm. there's even an episode of deep space nine where some of the members of the deep space nine crew get sent back in time to the starship enterprise when the trouble with tribbles is happening and it's an amazing episode <laughs> and they use a lot of digital trickery to kind of insert them into scenes from yeah the trouble with tribbles <laughs> and the thing you know about tribbles is uh they're born pregnant which is that they and that, that's that's actually true, but they replicate at this outrageous rate mm. and they're the scourge of the Klingon Empire, like mm-hmm. the Klingons hate them because they've destroyed lots of stuff and they're not intentionally bad, but they reproduce like crazy and they get everywhere and they break things. Right. And so a triple got introduced in the movie at some point for some reason. And the reason we later find out is not just another reference, because we're just making references, but it's because Kirk dies and then they go, oh wait, and they use triple Blood to bring him back to life for some reason. So you don't even get, like, oh, the, the devastation of Kirk dying like Spock died at the end of the movie. Right. He's brought back to life before the end of the movie so we can have a fist fight with Khan by the end.
1: I do remember the fist fight, yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, Chase in a fist fight and it was dumb. Like,
1: <sighs> it's okay to, like, make your audience feel bad things. Mm-hmm. If it's earned, yeah right like so they they mimic the, de- the death scene and it's not as effective so it doesn't yeah. feel as good yeah or it doesn't feel as earned yeah and then they go oh well but like now they feel bad we need to make them feel happy so bring it back to life
0: i don't think it was that i just think it was they couldn't like they weren't allowed or jj abrams didn't want to leave the movie with kirk dead like he didn't want to make that sacrifice valuable from a narrative perspective right or let it have any meaning whatsoever so they brought him back to the end back to life and then, oh yeah, we've got magic blood that brings people back to life. I guess, I guess death's over in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> I guess no more death's going to be happening. Problem
1: solved, Because we've everybody. got triple blood. They reproduce like crazy, so everybody gets one. In the like, far future sci-fi world of Star Trek, no one solved death yet? No. Oh. You can
0: still live a long time. Spock lived to like 900, but he's actually a space elf, so it's not surprising.
1: Do, what, what, kind of, what kind of being is Spock? A Vulcan. Vulcan. Do they live for a very long they time?
0: Do. They do live for a long mm. time which is how leonard nimoy was able to still be alive when the bad guy went back in time at the, to kill kirk's dad or whatever hmm. um and then spock came with him because
1: reasons i don't remember
0: so here's we wanted leonard nimoy in the movie
1: so you know what's funny um you have these incredibly intense feelings about the Star Trek movies. I do, right? Yeah, mostly negative. You don't. You don't Well, like the them. new ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the new ones. Um, I have incredibly intense negative feelings about the Hobbit trilogy. Yeah. Uh, but when I watched the Star Trek movies, I was yeah. like, okay, sure. Like those were action movies where stuff happened. And that's because like, that's what they are. And like they held my attention and were like mildly compelling. That's you know what I mean? All they are, but like, i i didn't go yeah. I didn't go like, oh, that sucks. I hate that. Like, because I have <laughs> no frame of reference to know why. Yeah. some of the things they're trying to do are bad and unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could probably watch the Hobbit movies and be like, all right, cool. Like, <laughs> you got a Hobbit and some dwarves, and they went and did some stuff. There was a cool dragon. Like, that there's was big, a, there's a big fight scene at you, the end. I'm sure you'd probably be like, that was all right. Yeah, and you'd find things that were bad yeah. about it from like a filmmaking yeah. perspective. But you, because you're not invested in the middle earth world like yeah you don't have a frame of reference it's like oh no they've done this thing <laughs> yeah that's probably true was was the third hobbit movie
0: just the battle of the five armies uh no it wasn't eh, I'm not it interested. was um i would have been
1: cool that they made the entire movie be that a three hour battle scene yeah i mean a lot of it was battles. okay and then and they you know you classic move of you split characters up yeah so you're watching bilbo do a thing you're watching thorne do a thing feeling kill you're doing a thing and yeah. you're bouncing back and forth between sure. all the different areas of the battles and yeah but it's a little bit more than that okay you also have the like the long dema that you get in uh tolkien works and tolkien movies <laughs> um yeah Although the new Star Trek movie wasn't much better, like, the Beyond, yeah, that's how this all started. You didn't yeah. like it. Was this all? Was this like remaking one of the older no, movies? No. So, so what's story? funny
0: is this was an attempt to like make everyone who was mad about Into Darkness less mad. Okay. So me,
1: but <laughs> um, just you, just me. Yeah.
0: Uh, so they did a lot of things. Like J. J.J. Abrams wasn't working on anymore because he got the job he actually wanted and was directing Star Wars. Yeah, that's like. That's the job he wanted.
1: So he practiced with Star Trek. Yeah. Good practice.
0: Made a lot of us Star Trek fans very unhappy. It's but.
1: A, one of the best, better ways you could practice for a Star Wars movie. <laughs> By ruining a different franchise. Yeah, um, But he doesn't like it as much, so it doesn't no, matter.
0: He was never a Star Trek fan. That's obvious. Um, so he left. Justin Lin was selected as the director of Star Trek Beyond. Justin Lin, who is famous for directing fast and furious movies okay movies where people are either fast and or furious which are beloved yeah uh i mean it's it's done incredibly well for the company that makes them Mm -hmm. uh i've i've seen like three of them and not the first three like i've i've not seen the first two
1: i don't think i've seen any of them i've seen like three four and five uh Cars and girls and cars and guns. Like, yeah, the, no, apparently
0: it turns into a heist movie and then a spy movie later. Like, there's a lot of like, I don't
1: know. There's nothing enticing about those movies no. to me. Um,
0: and so they brought in Justin Lin, which was not a good choice in my opinion as a director. Like, I wouldn't, I don't look at him and go, oh, that's a guy who could direct a Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, maybe uh, who is that director we were talking about just a minute ago? Not Chris Nolan, J. J. Abrams jj abrams yeah that was it yeah he could direct a star wars movie but like
1: like a shane Carruth star trek movie i would love to see right uh, that and that's what i want out of these like cinematic universes like yeah. make like build a universe set up your rules yeah and then and then let a director have fun and then make
0: genre movies Within it. So here's that Harry Potter thing I was going to reference way back when I said, remind me of Harry Potter. That's
1: why this towel is folded over so oh, I could remember to tell you <laughs> about that. So thank um, you.
0: Alfonso Cuaron did that with the Harry Potter series.
1: Ah, uh, yeah.
0: So originally, Chris Columbus, bland director extraordinaire.
1: And committer of genocide.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't, I never, He's like the other guy from I never, before. I never get that. Who committed genocide. <laughs> Cute. Um, bland director extraordinaire signed on to do all seven harry potter movies wow that's Um, a commitment and he directed the first two Uh um which are the blandest of all the harry potter movies (laughs) Uh, they are slavishly faithful to the books um to the detriment of the film because books are books and movies are movies Mm -hmm. Uh, but everybody wanted a, a harry potter movie that was slavishly devoted to
1: the book that's what they wanted it might have been the smart way to start the series it was i think so yeah like i think
0: i think you may not have gotten the rest of it had that not happened
1: right right
0: they're still not very good (laughs) but then alfonso curan came in and was like i'm gonna make an alfonso curan movie and he did i love that i kind of want to watch these movies now and it feels different and it has some of these long takes that he's known for and he's so the first two movies are very much. One book, one year in Harry Potter's life. And it basically hits milestone, milestone, milestone. Oh, we finished a year, the movie's over. Right. Big event happens at the end. And that happens two books in a row. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... But Alfonso Cuarón was like, "No, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm going to tell the story. And I'm going to highlight the important parts, but I'm not going to focus on making sure it matches the year that the book takes place over. Mm-hmm. It does take over that time frame, but it's not like, oh, I've got a, oh, it's Christmas, we better have a Christmas scene. Oh, it's you know Halloween, we better Halloween scene or whatever. Right. Or you know, oh, this thing is supposed to happen at this point in the year, let's do that.
1: And he, that that probably works well in the books, right? It does. It works pretty well in yeah. the books.
0: Uh, the books." are very much structured around the school year. And that right. kind of works to a good effect. And the, the summers happen between the books. And so we get sort of a mm. tail end of each one of like, how was the summer? What things happened? And then, okay, he's going back to Hogwarts and doing Harry Potter school stuff. Right. And it does work surprisingly well for the book series because the books have the room to do that. Right. Because they're books. Right. Um But Alfonso Cuarón was like, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm going to tell the story the way it should be told. And really kind of set the tone... For the rest of the Harry Potter movies, um, of being able to be freer with the story and tell the story as a movie rather than just trying to put the text on screen.
1: Yeah, it gave the rest of the people permission mm-hmm. to. And
0: then there were three or four people who directed different Harry Potter movies. Um, although the last like three or four were directed by the same guy, which kind of has the same problem you had on the other end. But yeah. but were significantly better than Chris Columbus ones. So does that good? And to be fair, Chris Columbus cast the entire Harry Potter world. And did an amazing job. That's true.
1: Yeah, got to give him credit for that. Like,
0: because he cast, you're talking kid actors, he cast three child actors for Harry, Ron, and Hermione that turned out to be perfect.
1: And great actors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, like you cast three 11-year-olds in hopes that, you know, right. in 10 years we're making the last of these movies, they're still good actors. And not,
1: like, burnouts or, like, like, because by that time, they're totally capable of being, like, your classic child star who became some crazy drug oh, addict. You know what I mean? Like, they just they or, rolled through and did a good job with all of them. Did you see Boyhood? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the problem Boyhood had. He cast this okay child actor and then hopes that he'd grow up and be good the whole time, and he wasn't.
1: But that was also kind of, like, the point of Boyhood is, like, let's do this and see what happens. Yeah, fair. Just made a boring movie. It was cool to watch as an experiment. Yeah, I'm never going to watch it again. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> um, although Link-
0: Linklater's Before series have managed to do the same thing, but be good movies in and of their own right.
1: Love those movies.
0: I haven't seen the third one, but
1: it's really good. I've actually only seen the first one. You should watch the other. I should
0: time. I really should? They're all really good. I have, yeah, because they make good stories and good movies. Yeah, and but are doing the same thing Boyhood did in a different way. Yeah, sort of exactly. like the passage of time and things. But Star Trek Beyond, which is the point I was originally <laughs> making directed by Justin Lin who's a terrible director for Star Trek sure um, because Star Trek has always been a cerebral pursuit it's a movie of ideas mm, mm-hmm. um, and Star Trek movies have always struggled with that because they've got to be movies they've got to have like action and cool stuff happening in them
1: right you can do a lot more with that with being a, a mm-hmm. show of ideas in a TV show yes absolutely you can,
0: absolutely you can. Um, although there are movies that have succeeded in being both Wrath of Khan being one example Uh, star trek first contact being another example which was the the first good movie with the next generation cast okay uh, which is not aged super well but has a lot of really cool ideas and also has really cool action sequences Hmm. but you cast this guy who's really good at shooting action and to be fair the action in star trek beyond looks pretty good yeah um it's it's action it's shot relatively well I'm never super confused about what's going on he does lots of cool camera moves yeah. Um, and it was
1: written by Simon Pegg.
0: Really? Yeah. A.K.A. the guy who plays Scotty.
1: Yeah. I didn't know he, like, wrote full screenplays. Mm-hmm. I know he's always been, like, influential in the movie. He's, he yeah. Well,
0: it. so, so um, you know, Simon Pegg became famous because of Spaced that he made with Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. um, who is Edgar Wright. Right. <laughs> and has made four perfect films. <laughs> and sean sean peg that's not his name simon simon i don't know where simon peg sean peg's brother yeah. simon. simon simon peg was a co-writer on three of the four movies that edgar wright made Oh. He was, he was a co-writer on the Cornetto trilogy.
1: Oh, I didn't like,
0: know that. He was engaged with him in the same way that Edgar Wright was, like a, was the writer and director. Simon Pegg also was a writer in the same way that he was on Spaced. Hmm. Um, and so Simon Pegg kind of got this reputation of being a good writer. And then he went on to write some of his own movies that were not as good. Uh, he he uh, hmm. wrote a movie called Run, Fat Boy, Run. Um, I
1: have no idea what that it's, is. It's not good. Okay.
0: Uh, I think he wrote it was directed by david Duchovny. no david schwimmer that's even better <laughs> um uh, he wrote paul the movie where seth rogan plays a stoner alien uh that
1: also sounds bad
0: it's, it's okay sure uh but simon Pegg is not a good writer in and of himself he's co-written three really good movies because edgar wright was there <laughs> <laughs>
1: And something about Edgar Wright probably brings out the best in Simon Pegg.
0: Yeah, one well, and Edgar Wright. I, I mean, you look at Scott Pilgrim, which is an amazing film that Simon Pegg was not engaged with, but Edgar Wright was. You go, oh, it was Edgar Wright. It was
1: Edgar Wright. That
0: was that was who was good. Yeah, that's we, who it was. When we
1: finally get to find out, was it was it Pegg or Wright? Nope, it was Edgar Wright. It was Edgar Wright.
0: Uh, so now we know. But <laughs> Simon Pegg, who is a big Star Wars, Star Trek fan. Yeah. wrote this like as sort of like hey i'm gonna write a tv uh, one that could i'm gonna write a movie that could be an episode of a tv show uh of the tv show which is a cool idea like i like that like yeah. they're gonna go to a planet they're gonna explore some things there's gonna be some conflict and then they're gonna be done like that was gonna be i like that yeah it was a great idea um and then in the first act of the film he does the same thing that every terrible star wars or star trek movie does destroy the enterprise
1: even I know that that's like an overused trope. Yeah. Why? Just tell a story. Like you don't have to. Well, have, so, you don't have to have the stakes.
0: You know what and I mean? Like, and it's in the trailer. Like you see the Enterprise being destroyed. Like there's not.
1: Oh, that's like also that's, stupid. That
0: sets that act sets the rest of the movie into action. Uh, so most of the movie takes place on this planet after the Enterprise has been destroyed. Spoilers, mm-hmm. I guess. It's in the trailer. You knew it was coming. This isn't that important of a movie. Who cares? No. Um, and it splits the crew up, and so they have to work together in sort of these smaller stories that mm-hmm. kind of all lead to an end point. But the bad guy is just a guy who's bad for the sake of it. He's just angry, and he hates the Federation. Yeah. And there's a twist at the end where it's like, oh, this thing happened. That's why he's angry. But that's like, no, that doesn't explain it. That doesn't make me care. And then it ends with a chase and Kirk in a fist fight with the bad guy.
1: Of course. And I hear a lot of uh, from anyone who I follow on the internet yeah. who saw it. Just a, a lot of continuing with the new Star Trek movie trope of just uh, using women as objects and oh yeah, yeah, this and, this, and this vessels movie, for male desire and male motivation.
0: There was definitely a lot of that. Um, so there were counting Uhura, who's barely in the movie, which is such a waste of Zoe Saldana. It's a shame. Yeah, um, there were three. Named women in the movie that I can think of, or three three female characters. I, I don't. One of them may or may not have had a name. <laughs> um, and there are even scenes where two of them are in the same room, like while a things going on.
1: Do they do they pass the Bechtel test? At no
0: point do they even talk to each other.
1: Uh, oh well.
0: <laughs> like not e- like they're in the same room. Nice Like try. they could say it, like look at each other and say like, "Hey, nice pants,"
1: and then pass the Bechtel <laughs> test. like that. I. <laughs> I want I want movies. If you're not gonna like be really good at making a movie <laughs> that uses women correctly, and, yeah. I, and I even feel like I shouldn't say the phrase "uses women correctly," but like it
0: accurately portrays women as people. Yes.
1: Like, if you're not even if you're not gonna like be really good at it, yeah, and you just want to pass the Bechdel test, like, just pass it super obviously. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, be obnoxious about it. Like, have two women who never talk to each other be in a room and be like, oh, hey, cool pants. Like, yeah. like literally do that, and then someone can check off, yay, we passed the Bechdel test. Yeah. Like, make it stand out how much you Although,
0: try Although, as someone on Facebook once pointed out, uh, the phrase, oh my God, Becky, look at her butt, <laughs> passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> Uh, Which shows you how low the bar really is. I
1: think it shows that uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot is a feminist icon.
0: Sure. So Star Trek Beyond (laughs) is terrible.
1: (laughs) So it sounds like Star Trek Beyond is uh, a movie made out of a fan fiction script backed by a couple hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's not wrong. And industrial light magic.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, I don't even think that Simon Pegg isn't a Star Trek fan. Like, I think he probably is a Star Trek fan. He's just not a good writer, <laughs> and so you have that problem.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, I didn't even mention there's a motor motorcycle
1: chase in space. Uh, no, on, on the planet. That's the thing with Star Trek is a lot of it doesn't happen in space. Wrath a of Khan does. A lot of it's in on planets.
0: It's better when it takes place in space. It's a better movie when it's in space. Star Trek in general is a better movie when it's in space. Yeah, no, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like,
1: yeah. I, if you're gonna have a cool like motorcycle chase, like do it in space. No, it's not in like space. Like space motorcycles. It's it's just on on the ground. I don't want boring planets. Kirk rides a motorcycle for reasons. I'll watch a Jason
0: Bourne movie if I want to yeah. watch that. Um, and then, the climactic battle is scored. So we're talking about movie scores, like how oh, I don't notice them. Yeah, yeah. The climactic battle, which has a lot of problems from a storytelling and physics standpoint. Okay. And, and Star Trek, you don't have to care about physics to like Star Trek. Like, Star Trek is not hard sci-fi by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But generally, it's internally consistent. Okay. Um, so in the, in the climactic battle, the bad guy, who's a bad guy, has this massive fleet of drone ships. Uh-huh. Um that are, that are a really cool idea because they they swarm and they move together. They're all like two-person ships, but they're super strong and so they like tear through things so nice. they can, like you can throw a billion of them at a wall and it'll break the wall and things like that. it's really cool. Um, and they're all obviously controlled from like a, in a hive mind sort of standpoint. Mm. Um, and to break up the hive mind, they have to send an interference signal. Sure, and so they decide that they're going to send an interference signal, and they uh, earlier in the film discovered some classical music. Classical was what they called it, uh-huh. um, and so they decide to play one of the songs from this collection. Okay, uh, and it is the Beastie Boys' "Sabotage." <laughs>
1: And this is the signal that will disrupt the hive mind? Mm -hmm.
0: And it does. And so the climactic battle in space in the future in a Star Trek movie is scored to pretty much the entirety of the Beastie Boys' song, Sabotage.
1: And you, you noticed that one, right? Yeah. Um Okay. First question, is there a technological (laughs) explanation in the movie as to why, like, is it like an analog audio signal? Are they, like, playing it through speakers really loud, or are they, like, transmitting an MP3 to something? Like, do they explain how it actually works? What's the mechanism? They use
0: some technobabble to cover it, so it's not... Okay. I mean, that's... Fine. uh, They have to be close to the ships for it to work. That's described. Okay. Which leads to them... Surfing a wave of ships as Um, they catch on fire due to the noise.
1: Did it feel like the creators of the movie made the decision to do that because Guardians of the Galaxy was so successful at using uh, beloved pop songs from decades ago set to sci-fi superhero kind of stuff? It
0: did not feel that way, no. Okay. Uh, It felt that way because... The director and writer thought it would be cool
1: and funny like, maybe. was it supposed to be fun like i can't imagine it, it was supposed
0: to be fun i'll put it to you that way, maybe not funny, okay. but it was supposed to be fun. It was supposed to be like, yeah, this is a great song, and you're kind of and like there's like shots of the crew like you know nodding their heads and tapping their feet as they're destroying the the bad guy spaceships
1: there i can't imagine something that will. Take me out of the movie faster Oh, than I that. should say it is also
0: a reference to the first film where a young uh, James Tiberius Kirk steals his dad or his stepdad's car, classic car, which was like a, like a Porsche or something, like again, yeah, a classic car that was 200 years old. Right. Um, and plays that song on the, sound, on the, the tape deck as he's oh. stealing the car. So it was like a callback to that.
1: It just sounds so awkward.
0: It was awkward.
1: Like, that would start happening, and then I would immediately lose my suspension of disbelief. Yeah,
0: I found it really awkward.
1: Good job, Star Trek. Yeah.
0: I was disappointed. It didn't feel like a Star Trek movie.
1: So, speaking of... Uh, you're talking about, like, directors. Yeah. Like, different directors being in a series. So, J.J. Abrams did Episode 7. Yeah. I think The Right Choice did a good job. Mm-hmm. Right got enough practice with star trek
0: yeah he was ready for it
1: <laughs> um i really liked episode seven yeah episode eight is going to be directed by ryan johnson ryan johnson who is not a like general blockbuster mainstream no director he makes movies that are like weird and cool and really good good like yeah. i'm really hoping that episode eight is a ryan johnson movie is a ryan johnson movie me too and like still star warsy like you got your star wars stuff happening and going on in your characters and the you know the music and and those kinds of things yeah but
0: like i really want it to be a ryan i would hate it if it's
1: just a star trek movie that happens to be direct a star wars movie that happens to be directed by ryan johnson yeah because ryan johnson could make a fucking cool star Wars. yeah um and then episode nine where we potentially fall off a cliff episode 9 is going to be directed by Colin Trevorrow
0: I don't know who this is
1: who has only ever directed Jurassic World yes (laughs) is that real? that's the truth so Colin Trevorrow has made a huge blockbuster movie that made tons of money and a lot of people liked. I thought Jurassic World was pretty dumb. I Didn't see it because everybody said it was down, looked dumb. It was super dumb. It made a ton of money. It made just boatloads of money. It, it did. It made boatloads of money. Uh, it was dumb. Uh, it had some cool dinosaur stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. But overall, it was fake dinosaurs. Overall, it was pretty bad and pretty dumb. Yeah. But like, like whoa, like I hope someone knows something that I don't about Colin Trevorrow he, being good at stuff. Has
0: he directed like an episode of a TV series or a, like a music video?
1: Maybe. Or an ad. But his o- his only his only like feature film I'm pretty sure is Jurassic World. I have to phone internet this thing. And this that's... this became a huge problem because everyone was like, are you, are we serious? Like can we get someone to direct a Star Wars movie who's not a white dude? Yeah, that's you know that's I mean? valid. Like come on like there's great women directors out there there's great like directors who aren't white out there like get somebody diverse to direct a star wars movie please like star wars is about diversity yeah (laughs) you know what i mean particularly the new ones yeah and uh we have to pick the like the up-and-comer white dude who made one movie that made a lot of money like pick someone with (sighs) star wars with skills but um i mean maybe it'll be good Like, the Star Wars creative team doesn't have the problem of not being able to say no to a George Lucas anymore. So there's still going to be all the people surrounding the director who can guide decisions in the right path and make a good movie still. But, I don't know.
0: He directed Safety Not Guaranteed. Which I didn't see, but I like the idea
1: of. Safety Not Guaranteed was a good movie. Yeah, it looked like a good movie. He made, the same person made Safety Not Guaranteed in Jurassic World? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't write it.
0: He wrote Jurassic World. He was just the director. He was a he's a producer and director. Yeah, director of Safety Not Guaranteed.
1: Okay, Safety Not Guaranteed was pretty good. It's a very like small. I mean, it's a, it's
0: a quirky tiny, indie film. Quirky
1: indie movie, yeah.
0: Like it's like quirky indie film. What
1: if he doesn't make it? What if he doesn't make Episode Nine Jurassic Worldy, but he makes it quirky indie Star Wars? I'd watch that. That would be a weird way to finish the, the trilogy. I'd watch it. <laughs> I would I'd be too. excited.
0: I would prefer that over a Jurassic World, I think. Yeah,
1: I mean, so would I. I'd love to watch a, like, Shane Carruth Star Wars movie. You know what I mean? Like, I love all these. Even, like, give Christopher Nolan a shot. How sad is it
0: that we don't have the world, we don't live in the world where Edgar Wright got to
1: make Ant-Man? Yeah, I don't have opinions about that because I don't have opinions about Edgar Wright or Ant-Man. You don't have opinions about Edgar Wright? I've seen uh, the zombie one. Yeah? Yeah, That was pretty good. It was good. is probably his worst oh and i've seen uh, i have seen scott pilgrim and i, I really like Scott yeah pilgrim.
0: I, I would honestly say in my opinion Shaun of the dead is the worst of his films
1: yeah yeah it's the most popular right because um, it's about zombies and everyone i mean
0: yeah i think so yeah. um i would i would rank here we go ranking ranking edgar wright films i would probably do it in honestly in reverse mm-hmm. order of release so, World's End, at the top, mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. All right. In that order.
1: Those are movies I am interested in watching. I you should you watch should watch all of point. them.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, you should watch Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End in that order. Like, they need to be watched in that order. They're not sequels. But they are in an order. Yeah. yeah. That order works uh, and is important.
1: But. Yeah. So weird thing to construct but i can respect that it's the
0: cornetto trilogy right each one has a different brand of cornetto ice cream cone <laughs> or a different
1: flavor yeah cornetto is the brand right yeah
0: yeah uh Shaun of the dead has strawberry hot fuzz has chocolate and uh, world's end has mint
1: nice or is someone chocolate is, is someone like eating one of those in each movie is that something like that yeah okay i don't like how you answered that question <laughs> <laughs>